0: Welcome back to Derry Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Derry Civic Center, this is C.M. Alexander with the news. The truth has prevailed today as the Flint City District Attorney has exonerated suspected murderer Terry Maitland. While the truth comes too late to save Mr. Maitland's life, the peace of mind given to his family and friends is immeasurable. When asked for a comment on the only known accomplice of the real murder, police detective Ralph Anderson only responded no opinion. You are listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, CM Alexander, alongside Joshua Khan. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham.
1: Hey there, constant readers.
0: And today we have the pleasure of finishing The Outsider, and Josh is leading us through the discussion.
2: Yes! I'm so excited to talk about the end of this book, because it is wall-to-wall bonkers towards the end. It really
1: is. Before we get into the ending, can I just say a few words? By all means. I... Am frustrated by the end of this book. The very end, very good. The first two thirds of the book, astounding. I'm going to say something that I think uh, will probably have several readers be very upset, but I am taking this book, as I think we should, as a standalone story. As someone who has not read the Bill Hodges trilogy, I am taking Only what is given to us in this book into consideration. And that being said, I believe adding Holly Gibney into this book does this book a disservice. Really? Holly is a very interesting character. I want to know more about her. But when she is introduced in this book, and for the rest of the book, we are not given a character arc for her. She is all telling and not showing. We are told that uh, she used to be this very meek, meek person with some serious, it sounds, uh, mental issues. The most we get is her thinking about how bad she used to be, and she's kind (laughs) of (laughs) quirky. Sure. But we're not given reasons like, I wanted, I want to know about that. And there are people listening to this screaming, then go read the other three (laughs) books about her. Fair. But I think I am not going to be the only one. CM, you're in the same boat. And we're not going to be the only two that go into this book blind. I'm sure there are a ton of people who aren't a huge Stephen King fan that went in not knowing that there was going to be this character added literally like 300 pages in. Yeah. That has this huge backstory that in this book we get nothing about. And I found that frustrating.
0: I agree with you completely. And I feel bad saying that because I love every other part of this book. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's, it's- definitely going to be in my top favorite books. But in other stories where Stephen King has woven in other characters, it's been earned because it's mm-hmm. been done a little differently than it is here. I feel like every moment that we're with Holly and she's referencing, before I would have done this, but I'm stronger now, which is really awesome. I don't feel how awesome it is, though, because it hasn't been earned.
1: Yeah, Exactly. And even more so, it does, how I said, it does a disservice to the book. Because once Holly is introduced, King treats it as, here's a character that people already know and love, and he abandons characters and relationships that were and should have been important and integral to the end of the book we barely see Terrence. uh uh what marcy marcy can i
0: can i make a point on that yes absolutely because i think you're absolutely right it does do it a disservice but if we replaced holly with terry's wife Mm -hmm. and she had to go through that That process of disbelief and then belief. Because once Holly came on the scene, the stakes of them believing or not believing in The Outsider Mm -hmm. were gone.
1: Disappear. Because she's like, no, trust me. And everyone's like, oh, okay.
0: Because I'm assuming she is just that good. And it makes Mm -hmm. me want to check out the trilogy. And then I'm definitely going to come back and read The Outsider again afterwards. Absolutely. To see if I feel different about her character. For so, sure.
2: Yeah, I have I have the burden of knowledge, not being able to separate from everything I know about her. Mm-hmm. What is the her character arc, what you're missing without having those other 3 is that this is the first time Holly has ever taken the lead she's taking. Sure. For people who have read everything, that's the big thing for this in her book is that she is now come into her own and she is comfortable enough to go by herself and you know kind of lead the villagers in this so
0: instance. To, me, to me it sounds like you're saying that we are switching main characters almost yeah yeah and mm. if you have that background of her that's probably as exciting a read as it would have been for us if mm-hmm. that had been yeah marcy or if ralph had not had holly there to f- make him believe and he had been forced mm-hmm. just with the reality of the situation to believe.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and also I feel like that's also just not great storytelling either of like okay this is her, saying her arc for this book is that she's now taking the lead and she's having to do it alone without Ralph. Except without we Bill. don't without Bill sorry. We also don't see that in this book. Like <laughs> She comes in if she had come in and at first, been not up to the challenge. Still kind
0: of broken. And then yeah. Ralph, and then, because he's similar to Bill, maybe she found that strength through her new relationship with him Yeah, Ralph.
1: and have it grown. But no, from the second we meet her, she's immediately fucking super cop, which yeah. is fascinating. Please don't think I don't like Holly Gibney as a character. She's a fascinating character. But it's the storytelling that is used is not... Great. And sure. it takes away time from relationships and themes that have been set up the rest of the book that just get abandoned in favor of, hey, look, Holly's here.
0: She's a Deus Ex mock and Holly.
1: <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Kind of, yeah.
0: Doesn't work as well when I try it. <laughs> no,
2: no, I like that. Just I like say, that. re
0: re say it, Ben.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, and, and that makes total sense. Like you said, not having the that all that background, I can definitely see how basically jumping into secondary protagonist mode is, and especially the massive role she plays in the end. Mm-hmm.
1: And the, we'll get there, but the, <laughs> basically the very very ending of the book, literally the last thing that happens, is so unearned that it drove me
2: crazy. But, <laughs> oh god, uh, I can't wait to.
0: She stole the ending from Ralph. So yes. all I'm gonna say we'll get to it. <laughs>
2: All right, so where we left off, we know that Holly is investigating everything in Dayton and she's going to come join everybody for a big powwow because everybody is, needs to put their cards on the table and put the puzzle pieces in place. Uh, Holly's picked up all of the the clues she can about... Uh, she visits the graveyard and sees that Heath Holmes, who was the uh, suspect in the murders in Dayton, the headstone's been knocked over. And there there's a... shrine to the girl to the little girls that's set up somewhere and she has this feeling that whatever whoever actually did this is somewhere near like was somewhere nearby they wanted to be near all of the pain they caused which is just uh again one of those little pieces we pick up and it isn't until we put all the cards on the table that it it all comes together so she gets on the plane she heads down and now we have all of our characters in howie gold's office to have this meeting they they recap Holly's career, everything she's done. We, we find out why Holly easily believes in these paranormal things, because she has experienced them mm-hmm. firsthand.
1: I have a question yeah. here for you. Um, this is around the part where when she finally, all of the cops go first, they give up all their evidence, mm-hmm. and she holds back because she's like, you guys, she fully expects them to think she's crazy. Yeah. Um. So she holds back with her evidence, but when she does, she goes through it, and it's about this time she uses the term. She says, "It's an outsider," apropos of nothing. In <laughs> the Bill Hodges story, there are supernatural elements. What I gathered from what we hear only from in Holly. the the last book, only in the last one, are outsiders a thing? Is that what she calls th- whatever happened?
2: I don't remember if the if the phrase the outsider or outsider at all is used
1: because she it's been she a while. says it in such a way to make you think oh so this is these are like things that she has chased in the past. She She's, says it
0: like she had yeah, said, vampire or werewolf exactly sure,
2: yeah. It's dropped very casually, just the, the phrase.
1: And no one questions it. They're just like, oh, yeah, okay, it's an outsider. But
2: she isn't the first person to use that phrase, is she? I think earlier in the book, is somebody she? says that it, it, if it if it isn't Terry Maitland, it must be some sort of outsider. Not saying outsider isn't a creature, but like, right. it must I, be someone outside of our line of questioning.
0: I think you're right, but they used it with a lowercase O, mm. and she used it with a capital O.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was just a weird oh, okay, so there are outsiders in this world
2: i wonder I wonder if she it was weird because of piecing together all the information if she was if we're supposed to get that maybe she's kind of regurgitating a term, mm-hmm. but she's emphasizing it in that capital o kind of way of like we don't know a name for this, but we know it's not something. It's not one gotcha. of gotcha, okay is my guess sablo goes into everything that happened with heath holmes and how it's almost exactly what happened to to terry so many witnesses so much blood so much evidence stolen vehicles all of that stuff and uh he also points out that they have gotten the missing fingerprints that they had in the van Hmm. that they didn't know who they belonged to they belonged to heath holmes and there is also a set that's just too blurry to tell what's in there deteriorate yeah mm-hmm. deteriorated yes because they because some of them are exact but then some of them are close but not perfect so you kind of get it drops that hint of the transformation there which i thought was really cool uh, and so we we get that essentially heath holmes is in, in that same boat and just wasn't as lucky as terry to have such an airtight alibi Jeannie tells everybody about Claude Bolton being in her house and how there was that warning. Marcy recounts Grace talking about Bolton being in her bedroom and how she thought it was a dream. And we bring back the, for another time, the straw eyes, which we talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Did the description later on, we'll get to the description later on, but did the description later on clear it up for you guys? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I have... I. Uh, it's kind of a, a leap, but I have an idea about those. So we've we've put all of this evidence on the table. Everybody's said their piece. They've talked about how the, whoever was Heath Holmes when it wasn't Heath Holmes would have known Terry was coming to visit because he worked at the, the home and they had to check in in advance, all this mm-hmm. stuff. So we get Holly has the timeline of how all of this happened. And she was able to put it together in a way using all of their puzzle pieces. She also has a movie with her. Okay, this is insane. (laughs) This is insane. (laughs) Okay, and it's not that she
1: picked this movie, okay? So Holly's like, I guess, a movie like Yes, she loves movies. She has a notebook with every movie she's ever seen Mm -hmm. and her like personal rating, which... I love. (laughs) When she's getting ready to travel down to Flint City, she has like a wall of movies and it's described that she like just grabs one at random to bring with to watch on the plane. Yeah. But then as she like after she does all her detective work, she's like, wow, what a weird coincidence that this movie (laughs) actually is literally exactly the same thing that's going on in real life. Wow, what a cool! That's dumb. That yeah, that's that, kind of dumb.
2: It, it's a, it's a little lazy. And this this movie is in the Los Luchadores series.
1: I had to Google to see if this movie was real. I really hoped it was real. It's nope, not.
2: It is not. However, there was a TV show. Would you guys like to hear the theme song for Los <laughs> Luchadores? Oh yeah, a- yeah, absolutely.
1: Hell
0: yeah!
1: (laughs) (laughs) This fucking rules. There's so many. I totally remember this show.
2: Yeah,
1: man, Fox Kids was nuts in the (laughs) nineties.
2: That was the theme song for Los Luchadores. <laughs> I was very excited because it sounded so familiar and I remember well, watching that show as a kid. Like the but what this is, we find out it's a retelling of the the myth or the legend of the creature El Cuco. And El Cuco is a a shape-shifting monster that uh, feeds on blood and sorrow so it's child's blood child's specifically. blood Yeah. child's blood and sorrow so it's it's a sorrow it yeah yeah, yeah. and by transforming into these people it, it answers one of the questions that we had we had talked about about that how does he know some things and not know others and holly stipulates that there's some sort of low grade either uh, a mental link between them or when it gets their DNA. It transfers some memories. There's something in here, which is why, you know, he, Terry Maitland didn't know where the Doc in the Box was, why he didn't recognize Willow. All of those little things start to piece together. And, and this is what I thought was a great moment, is that Holly asks where Terry's buried. And his wife answers that he was buried in Memorial Park. But that's not where he wanted to be buried, He wanted to be buried in this old graveyard in Canning Township, which is the book that he'd looked Mm -hmm. at, that he'd grabbed off the shelf and looked at. And that is where the barn was that the outsider had been hiding in. So it knew it's assumed that's where he'd get buried. And so that's where he was hiding out to feed on all that sorrow and grief and all the violence that people would bring there. So their next step. Which brings us to to where the last part of this book starts taking off. Is they decide they have to go to Claude Bolton. Because they know he is next on that DNA list. And he is in Texas. So they're going to get the whole crew. Except for Bill Samuels. Who I was like, oh yeah, they brought him to the meeting. So that way he can do stuff. And then after the meeting he's like, nah guys. I'm good. And then he's gone for the rest of the <laughs> book pretty much. Yeah. Uh,
0: well he comes back at the end.
2: Yeah, but like. Barely. <laughs> for for all of like the time they needed people. Yeah. He's gone. So they are making their trip to Texas, but they can't leave till the next day. And Holly is plans on going and staying in a hotel, but Jeannie's not having it and invites them invites Holly to come stay with them. What'd you guys think about that?
0: I love that. For as much as I complain about Holly how Holly is shoehorned in here. I did like the relationship between her and Ralph and Jeannie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that was really nice, uh, really nice. Uh, but I was much more interested in the fact that as she enters their house, she's being stalked.
2: Yeah, she is
1: by uh, a character who I really thought was going to be more. He's going to do more. I mean, I he think does he did plenty. He does plenty. Yeah, but. I, I don't know. I was expecting a confrontation right now.
2: He, oh, I see.
0: He wasn't as villain obnoxious as we've mm-hmm. had another, like an it Henry yeah. Bower, and no, where he's more and like of a they pathetic, come back somehow. Yeah, yeah. He's
1: he's much more of a pathetic, like tragic figure. But yeah, uh, Jack, the other the other detective, is following this group and keeps seeing. Bolton just appearing in the truck cab with him and he he'll disappear and he'll think oh he didn't he he wasn't actually here but then he sees must uh which are the things what's writ, tattooed on Clyde uh, Claude Bolton's knuckles he has it written in the dust on his uh uh I
2: thought that was pretty rad. even when he is awake or, or or dreaming he there's no safe place for his mind because when he falls asleep, he dreams about his hands falling off from mm-hmm. the rot and he's seeing uh, his mother and all of her his mother's agony as she was dying from cancer. so he from the from this point on virtually no rest for him he I, I understand why he is so delusional mm-hmm. the, the further this goes because he gets no break.
0: Did the description of his mom remind you guys of Pet yes. Cemetery? Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Zelda, I was just yeah.
1: thinking because he he describes her as like, oh, just like this cancer eating through her lungs as she's just screaming. I was like, it's very mm-hmm. Zelda
2: esque. The next morning, Ralph and Holly have a a bit of a a powwow outside where Holly now tells Ralph the true story behind her supernatural dealings. With Brady Hartsfield, which is in the third Bill Hodge's book. And essentially it gets down to, this is why I know I'm on the right path. Because I've seen this level of of crazy, basically. And she says that if all of these patterns hold true, the outsider is in Texas. Because that's where Claude Bolton is, and he's going to be nearby. Because... The Outsider has to do what it does so publicly so that it weaves the rope that then hangs the innocent man. And they talk about Jeannie seeing Claude Bolton in their house and how that can't possibly be true. And then Holly turns her flashlight into a black light, which is yeah. pretty rad.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, like shows that there's... Basically ectoplasm, yeah. Like where this, uh, where the outsider had been,
0: more like ectogasm. <laughs> <laughs> good
1: one, Jesus! It's My just... least favorite
2: drink from the nineties, <laughs> Slimer's ectogasm I was not ecto-gasm. good. <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's a residue that is similar, and it, so it shows up under a black light but that is something that the creature because it is projecting itself it is leaving something behind which sure
1: yeah i I, I don't know how
2: i felt about that yeah there's
1: it's one of those cases of like just the rules don't make any sense and it doesn't really matter but it is kind of annoying anytime there's a monster and then they're like okay here's what it does also it does this don't worry about it
0: I've had to suspend my disbelief about monsters so many times over <laughs> because I, I love monster movies sure. and, and slashers yeah. and none of that shit ever makes sense. Yeah, no. So I, I fall, I jump right into yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's, well, it's you, not that bad. No, you, it's you just needed- like
2: Ralph needed to see something mm. because his whole thing is not believing it, which is one of the things that I really love when after that first meeting, Marcy basically tells him, Hey, don't let this guy get away just because you don't believe in him. Mm. Which I thought was a really powerful way of like Marcy being on his side for the first time in the entire thing.
1: Would have been really nice to continue
2: that relationship. I was just gonna say, but and that's
0: the last we see. Yeah, I yep. <laughs> I, don't,
2: I, w- I would not want to have wanted Marcy to join.
1: Maybe not, but at least pay off the two thirds of the book where the main conflict was between Ralph and
2: Marcy. Arguably, Marcy doesn't do anything it's the people marcy hires that do virtually mm-hmm. everything
0: but that would have made it even cooler to see her do something then and that final face-off for her to be able to face that creature especially it may mean, know it's turning into Claude, but there's still some terry in there
1: even if she hadn't done anything at least give us some sort of cathartic ending between ralph and marcy of being like just, just anything. Sure. We don't. The last we see of Marcy is after it's all over, and someone goes to her and it's like, you gotta lie to the
2: cops. And she's like, yup. Yup. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> well, because she, she gets Terry's name cleared, and that's the important sure. thing.
0: I guess I wanted that to be a bigger deal then, maybe. Yeah. She seemed glossed over.
2: Really. I See, I feel like it would have been less realistic to make her do anything more than take care of the daughters because of what because the entire they don't have anybody anymore it is just them and the daughters are going through so much the idea of like if she left like who is she leaving with with the kids yeah at then this like, point
1: we're talking about like we would have to be like well i think they should he should have rewritten the entire final
2: film <laughs> so no. that they could have been in town but i, I just i'm just pulling at the thread yeah, of why yeah, yeah. i think that that road was not followed
0: but that's how all true crime works. It is the family themselves because they can't get help Mm -hmm. anywhere else who are tirelessly working to Mm -hmm. solve this crime, who sacrifice everything and everyone around them. Not saying she should have abandoned the girls, but... Like
1: I said, even if it wasn't her going and facing the outsider, that's obviously, I, I would agree, that probably wouldn't make a lot of sense. But, like, we spend so much of the book where it's Marcy and ralph butting heads where ralph has caused this it's all about his guilt about this and what he's done him trying to like assuage himself and like say oh she'll be and then we don't get any any closure between the two of them there is no scene between the two of them discussing the any of the themes of the book belief and uh guilt
2: and anything anything give us anything And we don't get it. This book is full of characters that just show up and then drop out.
0: Yeah. And they don't give us that because it's given to Ralph and Holly. So I I just feel like her Marcy's character is sacrificed for a character from another book that we're supposed to know all about.
2: Absolutely. Now we arrive in Texas. Claude Bolton and his amazing mom (laughs) meet them at the airport. I love Claude Bolton's mom. She is awesome. And... It, what I like about this is we start to see what people said about Terry at first about how he was acting weird and and just not himself we are now seeing that start to happen to Claude because mm-hmm. now now we're in on what's happening so it's really cool to see that it, all of these steps are the same yeah but uh Jack Jack Hoskins also through cocaine and caffeine pills has made it to Texas. Before them and is also staying in the same exact motel as they are, which is great. What do you what do you guys think about the the scene of him being talked to by El Cuco under the bed?
0: I texted the group because (laughs) it terrified me. It was so frightening that scene. He's sitting on the bed, and I think he was he was just getting up and he was gonna put like his shoes on and stuff. And I I believe he was thinking, oh, okay, know, I haven't heard from him or seen him, you know, what's going on. And all of a sudden he hears this voice and he realizes that the voice is coming to him from underneath the bed. <laughs> Don't so do that to me. He's,
1: he's <laughs> reaching around blindly for his shoes and one gets pushed into his hand. Yeah! That's <sighs> fucking radical <laughs> and scary. Nightmare I love fuel. that.
0: I also really liked his almost meet cute with our group as they're having breakfast.
2: That was hilarious.
1: Yeah, he goes he goes across the way for sunscreen because he's he's also thinking that he might just he's at that point of a king villain where he's like, there's a good chance I'm just insane. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh well, <laughs> come this far, uh, so he goes across to look for sunscreen and is like about to open the door when he just sees them all eating dinner and then just. Like, in a comedy, just like a like a Grandpa Simpson going into the burlesque house and seeing Bart.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Where he just puts his hat yeah. on the rack, yeah. turns, does a full circle, grabs it, <laughs> and leaves.
2: That is one of the greatest scenes in The Simpsons. I love that so much. We finally, we get back to Claude Bolton in his mother's place. And Claude starts saying that he feels like somebody... Is near. Like he can like it feels like somebody's digging through his head sometimes, and he's having a hard time sleeping or focusing, and it's been keeping him on edge. Uh Bolton's mom sends she she talks about dinner and she mentions this chicken place, just amazing chicken. It's really far away. Sends Claude <laughs> to go get it. And he like kind of fights it for a while and eventually just gives in. He's like, Alright, I'll I'll be back in a while. Because of all people, she's the one who is immediately making this connection of if if what you say is true, then that means that this is possibly a a doorway. And so if we talk, it's gonna know exactly what yeah. we said.
1: Can, can I say how much I love the Boltons, though? The, yes. They I are, thought I was gonna hate them. See, th- <laughs> that's the thing, is it's fascinating the way he kind of sets them up. There are so many, I feel, King books with these character archetypes that turn out to be just exactly what you kind of expect them to be. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of stereotypes. Claude is this big tattooed dude who works at a strip club. He's an ex-addict, and you kind of expect him to be just like a shitty, uh, shitty guy. Mm. And then he's down in this like no-name Texas town with his... Big brashy southern mom who you could could so easily become that king character that like you ex- Eddie's
0: mom, yes, yeah,
1: could so easily be just so unlikable. But instead, Claude is a sweet, doting son, and his mom is funny and clever and, and appreciative and appreciative and like just two very nice people and i
2: love that how proud she is of the way claude's turned around made me just happy happy yeah, to read
1: they're so sweet and made me
2: terrified for
0: <laughs> yeah i thought claude was gonna die <laughs> oh yeah
2: definitely a few times i thought his mom was gonna make the house explode oh, yeah. So yeah. she's smoking with an oxygen tank <laughs> when claude drives away he passes by passes by the marysville hole it's a closed attraction, and because it's a Stephen King book, I was like, Well, we're not done with that place, <laughs> yeah. Because moments later, this abandoned site is uh visited by our friend Jack Hoskins. He pulls around, and uh, for uh, I wrote this down, uh, for one of our super fans, it is spray painted on a rock, Spanky 11. so our shout out to spanky i'm glad you visited the marysville hole and left your mark so jack is here to protect the hole (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) i don't i don't know why sorry no (laughs) because i
2: also laughed
1: every time i'm like you're gonna set the big climactic battle in a place called the marysville hole (laughs) Okay. Mary's hole, y'all. Mary,
2: Mary, that was the commercial. Hey, Come down to Mary's hole, y'all, please. <laughs> uh, that's the word the gentleman please traveling show goes to. We find out that the basically the deal is if nobody shows up, he'll still be cured. The point is he just needs to be there to guard to make sure nobody disturbs El Cuco while he's transforming.
0: I don't want to talk about this for more than like ten seconds, but do you guys think that he would have actually healed him?
1: I don't even believe necessarily that he was sick. It, it, it's very possible.
2: Well, I mean, other people commented on the redness.
1: He just got back from a fishing
2: vacation. <laughs> okay. And he's yeah. a redhead,
1: and he says, oh, I'm sure. prone to sunburn.
2: Okay. Like That makes sense.
1: I completely believe that it is... Yeah, I, I don't even know that he's
2: necessarily sick. The thing that I do like about this moment is that... Nobody shows up, but he's just like, uh, well, I'll do some Coke and eat some pet pills. And then nothing happens. And he just has to go back to the hotel. And he's like, I'm doing, going to do this all day, every day until this is over. Back at the Bolton house, we find out that the Dayton police have found a pile of bloody clothes in the building that Holly had pointed out that was within kind of eyesight of Heath Holmes's overturned tombstone. There was also an orderly jacket among all those belongings. This is the point where they say, okay, he camped out at the final resting place of whoever he was going after. So they ask, where, where would Claude be buried? Well, there's no family plot. So this is the first time that uh, they, they're trying to figure out where they should start looking. Lovey, who is amazing... I don't remember, uh, the note I have is Lovey's life kind of ruled. Because I don't remember, like, she goes into this whole thing about, like, her life and all the cool things she's done, and that's all I could summarize, like, Lovey rules. Uh, But Roger Bolton and his family members are all buried in the Marysville hole.
1: Okay, you guys, I have to ask you, because I certainly thought, do you think The story of the Marysville Hole is the scariest thing in this
2: book. It is terrifying. No, being wrongly convicted (laughs) of murdering a Uh, child and getting shot at a courthouse is scarier to me. Uh,
0: My huge phobia, like, some people are afraid of monsters and others have, like, the phobia of the ocean or something. Big, mm -hmm. open, deep spaces. I am terrified by the idea of being in a cave and, like, the movie Descent mm. <laughs> scared the shit out of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's terrifying. It's do you want to yes, tell everybody? absolutely yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, so the story of the Marysville Hole. I, I won't have anyone's names, but this is the gist. Claude Bolton's family. Uh, well, the Marysville Hole used to be this tourist attraction. It was this giant cave system underneath Marysville. Giant to the point where huge sections of it were blocked off because it was too big. They haven't explored all of this cave; it's just too, too deep. And one day, when Claude was a kid, he was away; he was out of town somewhere, uh, maybe in jail. I don't remember. It was during his yes, bad days. Yes,
2: he was in jail.
1: But one day, some cousins of his, I believe, no, the, or, the twins was just two were random completely unrelated. Kids.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, these two young twins were crawling through a section of cave and they crawled into a hole that was so small that they hadn't been boarded up yet. But they disappear. And worse than that, people in unconnected parts of the caves can hear them, but they cannot find them. That is that is creepy. It's the scariest fucking thing in the world. Imagine that. No, I can't even because <laughs> it freaks me out too bad. Of just being in pitch black, not knowing where you're going, with Mm. no way out. So there's a search party uh, rounded up, and uh, Claude's cousins and uncle Mm. are part of this search party. And they go deep down into this unexplored part of the cavern. And at some point, someone fires off a gun, and it causes a cave-in. And so I don't remember how many people, but like tons of people were lost in this cave. And once again, they could hear for a while these people's yelling for help until it finally stopped. And then they just boarded up the entire cave system because it was just too dangerous. It basically killed their town. Yeah. Because it was so horrible. That's the scariest shit. Like. (laughs) Yeah. just the idea of being stuck in a cave with no way out is terrifying.
0: Oh. I almost find the part about other people going in to find those people and they themselves getting lost, yeah. the scariest part about Even that. Even scarier, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. It's like, like when, it's eating people. Yeah, going forward when when they eventually get into the caves and you, you can see the marks where they've mm-hmm. crossed yeah. off the path they've checked. It just The desperation is palpable. They come up with this plan that in front of Claude, they say that, well, everything checked out, looks like there's no leads, we're gonna head home. And in reality, they've got uh, the makeshift black lights they've made, they've got hard hats, because they are going to the hole. Holly thinks that he's in the hole because he, he needs a safe place, because he is still incredibly weak, because the transformation takes so much out of him. And because they're on his tail, he hasn't been able to stop using his powers, so he hasn't been able to recharge at all. So now is the time they have to strike. So the next morning, they're gonna head to the hole. Their final night in this motel, a, a knock comes to Ralph's door, and it's Ralph's door, and it's Holly. And Holly, she's she's coming out with her heart on her sleeve. CM, do you want to talk about that?
0: Yeah, she, she gives him some information that's going to be vital to their trip. And then before she leaves, she's like, okay, there's there's one more thing. And she kind of acknowledges, this may be hard to hear. This may sound shitty, but I need you to stick with me and hear me out. And she basically tells him, hey, stop putting qualifiers on this. Because you keep saying if and maybe. And this is reality. And I need you just for one day to be completely on board to believe in this and like believe in her i think mm-hmm. really is what she was asking because he's become the surrogate bill for her which i don't quite understand but i know is important mm-hmm. and it's it is a very vulnerable moment and you see uh, the beginning here really of the relationship they end up having
1: which is shitty of ralph specifically
0: his fucking
1: wife begs him for so much of the book. His wife is on board. His wife says, this is real. Something fucked up is going on. And she begs him. And he goes, no, in her face. He just says over and over, I can't believe in this. I can't believe in you, my wife. But then a lady he met, a day ago, two days ago, is like, Hey, listen, believe in monsters.
2: And he's like, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. But she has evidence and experience. Like, she has so many things that his wife did not at that time. And now that all the. It, it, I
1: guess, m- hey, call me old fashioned <laughs> that you should believe, <laughs> like, you should probably listen to your wife. That's. Hot take.
0: I'm going to throw out a theory. <laughs> I'm going to throw out a theory that everybody is going to hate that kind of came to me towards the end when we we see their relationship come full circle. I think Ralph and Holly have gone slightly beyond a friendship love. And I think there's something deeper there that I I feel a little bit bad for Jeannie. Uh, I I
2: didn't really get that.
0: I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I think Ralph is in love with her a little bit. Um, um, a step beyond friend. I think he has a deep admiration for her.
1: I, I, I could see where you're coming from, but it's not like romantic. It, it's that like feeling yeah. you would get with anyone that you've gone through something this intense with that only the two of you can understand.
0: It remi- I see what you're saying, but for me, it reminds me of Susan Delgado and okay. how if she had met Court first... She was like, I I would have easily fallen fallen for him and not Roland. And I feel like Holly is that for Ralph. Like in a different, different life, different set of circumstances, they would have been a thing. Fighting mysterious supernatural <laughs> crime together. Yeah. And I'd read that. I'd I mean, also it... read Jeannie coming along because she was kind of like gung ho about mm. I'm going with Dude, you to this could, meeting. They and... could be
2: a power
1: throuple.
0: I'd take that too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like this new segment of shipping the characters in the books. (laughs) Why haven't we been doing this all along?
2: We need to do more of it. The one moment in this scene that I really like is that she, he keeps saying that it's so inexplicable and that's why he can't buy it. And she asks, if Terry had done it, would it make any more sense? Because we've gone over how insane this is as a whole, like, this is not much further of a step than you think it is. But, you know, Ralph, to his credit, agrees, for 24 hours, El Cuco exists.
1: Which means nothing. You can't just be sure, I'll believe in something for 24 hours. Well, How he, fickle are your beliefs? I, I, I don't
2: think he I don't think the belief is the authentic part. I think he his agreement is that uh for that 24 hours. It, it starts with, he won't say the qualifiers, mm. and he would, he'll would correct everyone else if they it's say fair. those qualifiers. It's uniting the group. Yeah. Okay, fair. This is, and so, this is something I did not, I was not sure how it was going to come back. But the next morning at 4am, Jack wakes up, and it's time to go back to his stakeout. And there's a pitchfork that he has set where he's been camping, and there's a rattlesnake on his pitchfork. And he just very slyly picks it up and just, yeah, like throws it. And then it runs away. Huh. And I was like, oh, good. That's over forever.
0: <laughs> Wait, was was Andy McGee nearby? <laughs> that rake is a snake. Ah, no.
2: Later that day, our group of heroes, now all assembled, arrive at the hole. And Hoskins is watching them through the barrel of his rifle. We get to experience... It, I like the way it jumps back and forth between up on the cliffside with Hoskins and with mm. our group, because seeing knowing that he's there lining up the shot and you don't know who's going down first because this book has gone this far without a, a body count of main characters and we got plenty of main characters at this final area
0: and I like them all and yeah. I don't want any mm. of them to die.
2: But Ralph, as he goes to get Holly out of the back seat to open her door. He bends down because there's an arrowhead on the ground, and he feels the first bullet barely miss him. And that's when the the next shot takes off the top of Howie Gold's head. Peli gets shot through the torso. And Sablo, the way it reads, Sablo got his neck shot in half. Not what happened. Because he <laughs> survives. Yeah. And it's like... No, he gets shot in the the... Shoulder, elbow. That's the second shot. Okay. The first shot, it's a, it says it like tears into his neck. But later oh, it's, it's like, like, oh, it's a it, graze. It, it uh. Yeah, it wings him in the neck. But the magical moment of there's a stop in the gunfire and then a scream. Imagine being that group and just shot after shot after shot. Dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> like, what in the world is happening? Ben, what's happening?
1: He got. Bitten the dick by a snake.
2: <laughs> it's so good.
1: It's maybe not the dick. That's <laughs> that's head cannon. No, it's a, the the snake has slowly slithered back up, and just as he's like going to reload, it bites him in the in the in the shank. <laughs> and, in the uh, shank. He tries
0: really hard afterwards.
1: Yeah, and then he
0: he, he works really hard for those other shots. Yeah, it he kind tears of a snake me. in half.
2: That was
1: insane! (laughs) Yeah, and he he keeps still trying to kill them, but uh, this has given them enough time to run for cover.
2: Yeah. Uh, As they make a break for the gift shop, Hoskins is able to catch Sablo again, this time in the elbow, dislocating his shoulder and shattering his elbow.
0: That was a rough scene to read, the way his arm shot up. I was like, I can picture that, and I don't want to. I
2: thought his arm was just going (laughs) to go flying. But holly holly proclaims the outsider has a renfield uh hoskins then just starts pounding shots into the suv hoping to make it explode uh which he finally explodes the suv
1: accomplishing giving
2: giving our heroes a smoke screen to make a break for it basically is what it does I mean, I guess, I guess I get the theory of now they can't get away. So I
1: think there is a, a second where like after it explodes, it cuts to Jack's perspective and he goes,
2: yeah, wait. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shit. Yeah. He just sent up a smoke signal. Yes. yes.
2: Now people, there's a chance someone's going to see it and come. Sablo starts firing off shots so that Holly and Ralph can make a break for it. And that's when the outsider commands Jack to chase them down. He can barely walk because his leg has swollen to twice its size, and it is purplish, black, and necrotic. That is disgusting. It made me think of the dude from Mano's Hands of Fate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Oh, shit torgo Tor- Tor- yes. torgo maybe like
2: think of like him walking the way torgo walks with that giant cane <laughs> <laughs> so, jack hoskins didn't get scarier to me as this last part no
1: it, it, the visual of him like trying to go down this like scrabbly rock surface while using a rifle as a cane i'm like this guy's gonna get the least <laughs> dramatic ending he's just gonna like fall down and die
0: And I would have been more sympathetic to his plight, but he a number of times made it very clear that even if he didn't have the threat of having this cancer and that being removed hanging over his head, that he would have still done this just to kill Ralph because he gave him a no-comment rating on a review. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah.
2: no, no he's still crazy. Mm -hmm. Just he repeated no opinion to himself over (laughs) and over. What would you guys think of his uh, suicide by cop?
1: At this point, Jack is kind of a non-threat he he just killed two really awesome characters and like, sure. But also I feel like just as easily. He was leaning on his gun. Ralph's a cop. He could have just disarmed the guy.
2: But it's the, the thing that I find weird. I, I want your guys' thoughts that he essentially knows he's not going to make it through this. Mm. And he, instead of just pulling his gun up and getting shot down before he pulls the rifle on them. He warns them about the poison touch and tells them to run to get away. And then he gets shot. Why do you think he gave them the warning? Cause it seems like it seems off. I mean, I well, get that he's going to die. He's not
1: loyal to
2: the outside.
1: Yeah. Loyalty doesn't come into it with Jack Hoskins for anyone. I don't think. <laughs> He sees the end coming. He's obviously failed his mission for the outsider. So either he dies from his snake wound or what he believes to be cancer. So he, what else does... And he's also obviously a miserably depressed human being. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure he's
2: just like, I don't have anything
1: to live for. Might as well uh, very slowly pull
2: a gun. ha <laughs> ha well, after taking Jack out, they make their way into the cave using their blacklight flashlights that and they've just manufactured. just
0: Ralph and Holly.
2: Just ra- Yeah, now we're down yeah. to just Ralph and Holly.
1: The <laughs> way that you kind of knew it had to be yeah. at the yeah. end,
2: right? Mm-hmm. And as they go, they see this trail of, of the goo that they just start referring to as sweat because it's less gross than this pile of jizz. They get to the Devil's Slide where they first see their full handprint is on there and so they know this is 100 percent where he is and we're getting closer they make it to the chamber of sound which is where the bolton family was when that shotgun went off and buried mm-hmm. them all in the uh the cave in and holly calls out to hear the echo and she says hello and then gets back a hello that is not her own that's cool, <laughs> that that is such a spooky thing to call out into the darkness and the darkness responds
0: real quick. Did he provoke the Peterson family, like more so than just setting up the situation that led to all of their deaths? Was he kind of like feeding off of them? I thought there was a part in a book that yeah. he influenced them continuing to kind of spiral. And- it's
1: hinted at, yeah, it's but it's not really said what. It's just interesting. I think
2: it in the way that it, that this creature feeds off of their grief
0: makes them feel worse and make worse decisions. Yeah, yeah probably.
2: That's what. I, that's how I okay. think it's supposed to be kind of read. Which is why the outsider is standing there watching uh, the dad hang himself. Yeah because he was probably just nearby the entire time. And he was mm-hmm. there when uh the sun shot. Yep.
0: So the uh, Peterson home cemetery. was the cemetery
2: kind yeah. of Yeah, kind, kind of. of. So the outsider invites them into his hideout. <laughs> there's uh they look down there's this these stairs, these spiral staircase that'll take them down to the area he's in and he's got a cot, a generator, a lamp and then a cooler and a few just
1: Uh, A bunch of dead animals. A bunch of
2: dead animals that he's been eating. And he says that uh, if they want to talk, they have to come down to him. They start going down the stairs, and the closer Ralph gets, he can see what he describes as facial inconsistencies, because El Cuco is still mid-transformation.
1: What did you guys think of that? The the way that he is described. There are so many ways it could have... We're not really given much to go off of, but the fact that he literally just looks like a dude is somehow even scarier. But, like, the fact that he looks like a dude, but his face doesn't match up with itself yeah. is so, sounds so unnatural mm-hmm. and just unwholesome. like. <laughs> It sounds so creepy, even though it's literally he he's not described a monstrous in any
2: way. in a, I feel like in another book, this mm. transformation would have been uh, kind of what we hinted at with the the barn of like it going into like a full cocoon form mm-hmm. and then coming out fully changed. That's not what happens to this creature. This creature exists fully conscious through its transformation and just kind of excretes all of that yeah residue when it transforms so it's not a smooth transition it takes time and it takes its energy when ralph gets close to him he pulls his gun and he's like if you fire this we're all dead like the echo if this place will come crumbling down and he looks into his eyes and he sees the shine coming from his eyes that is the straw for eyes are they, like, are they deadlights? The deadlights. Dead yeah. Yeah.
1: Th- that's definitely what it sounds like. And I think uh, there's a very strong argument. Well, you said it earlier, half-jokingly it sounded like. A sorrow it's, it. It's a grief it. It's an it. It's yeah. a Dendelo. It's, we know for a fact that there are it's other Stevens. versions of mm-hmm. it where it feeds on fear. Mm. Dendelo feeds on laughter for some reason. And this fades on sorrow. It could very easily be. And that's why when it asks, you've seen others of me?
2: That yeah. moment was awesome.
1: Ralph hasn't, but have we? It's possible. Oh, Except is- it was spiders and <laughs> uh, the outsider is worms.
2: But, hey, well, everybody's yeah. gotta be something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can't argue with that. <laughs> hey, you're just a skeleton, man. This is uh, This is the part where they talk about uh, him feeding off the residue of the dead, he feeds off their ka, and that he used his poison influence on the entire family. He's flat out telling them, this is what I do. And he admits that he shouldn't have gone to the courthouse, but he's he was greedy and he was hungry. I love this interaction because El Cuco's just so calm, and it's it's very classic you know, villain monologue and I love the villain he's, monologue stuff.
1: He's okay, so I've been re-watching Netflix's Castlevania uh, series okay. recently, which first of all, listeners, if you haven't watched it, it's fucking amazing. Warren Ellis wrote it? That's crazy. Warren Ellis is amazing. Uh, he's so good. But there's a part in season two where these two non human or non-vampire characters who are working for Dracula are talking. And one of them says, I love vampires because they're, they're pure creatures like animals. And the other guy's like, they murder people and subsist off their blood. And he says, yes, but there's no malice behind it. It's just, they think of people as food. And, uh, it's just like, you know, animals, a lion isn't evil when it eats a zebra it's uh, just doing what it does. And that is definitely what you get the feeling. It's yes. like, this thing doesn't care. Yeah. This thing does not care about Ralph or Holly or any of the children it killed.
0: I think it does, though, because of how it's defeated.
2: Because uh, Holly starts taunting him, calling him a sexual sadist pedo. He tries to claim that it's all for the show and that it's all... Because it's it's important because it whips everybody up into a frenzy, and then she calls him impotent, and he <laughs> charges her in a blind fury, and is
1: defeated in one of the funniest ways I've ever heard.
2: This okay, you because you guys haven't read the Bill Hodges trilogy. This, uh, so it said that she something he sees something like this big white thing swing by and bash into its head and my i immediately stopped and wrote happy slapper all in caps because i was super excited that the happy slapper got a call back
0: oh you know what i was thinking of a certain movie where private gets beat with
1: oh yeah no Uh, it's a yeah he gets gets, what are they not oranges though it's not Uh, so oranges. yeah uh what do they call it in full metal jacket
0: I don't remember. I don't remember.
1: There's a word for it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the that the, the scary monster that we've been chasing the whole book dies with one hit of a sock full
2: of ball bearings. Hey, you tried getting hit with a sock full of ball oh, bearings. Oh, I'm
1: sure it hurts like hell, but it's so, it's kind of anticlimactic. It brushes his
2: head like it was oh. made of paper mache.
0: So, is it, did it get him because he's still in transformation? So, he's not quite solid. Or did it get him because of Holly's belief?
1: Ooh, either Oh, oh shit.
2: Yes, is the answer
1: I mean, yeah. to that <laughs> I
2: think so. Because <laughs> yeah. because the happy slapper is is bills like that. That's that's her mm-hmm. piece of bill that she has, and so like that that makes a lot I, of sense in the strong belief she has in that.
0: Because that's what got it. They yeah. all had to band together and, and, and believe. believe in
2: what they're what they
1: had.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: It, this is battery acid.
1: Yeah, I did not think of it that That's way, but that great. is really cool.
2: She she splits his head in half with another hit and these red worms start pouring out of him. He has no brains or blood or organs, just all red worms and they run for the stairs because they don't want the worms to touch them and they look back and they see that the worms are dying off and the body is collapsing inward. Which, I I don't know, that made me shudder. Because mm-hmm. that's just a disgusting image to think about. Uh, once they're, they... I love that they're, like, running, like, quick, before any of them touch, this, touch us. And they get, like, one round of the stairs. And, like, they can't climb stairs. <laughs> and they just watch all of these red worms just die. They get out, and they get Hoskins' keys. And they meet Sablu, who's already found... Hoskins truck and he's just sitting in the truck and they quickly come up with a game plan for how they're going to handle the police and get their story straight the first calls to Bill Samuels to get the ball rolling
1: yeah honestly Uh, from this point on I kind of checked out if I'm being completely honest I was like okay they they do a cover-up I get it
2: yeah they uh, they get Bill to re-interview everybody and kind of place a doubt Mm. on their recollection of it being Terry they put everyone, they can, They want to confuse everybody with the timeline and easily tie all of that stuff to Jack Hoskins being the accomplice of whoever the real murderer was. So they are going to frame Hoskins as helping this murderer frame Terry Maitland and get mm-hmm. away. This is something I, I thought was kind of interesting that later on Holly refers To the torn menu as the work of the white. Did you guys catch that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Reminded me
0: of the stand.
2: That made me very happy. And when they get home, Bill holds a press conference, exonerating Terry Maitland and the world moves on. Holly and Ralph stay in touch. They rely on each other when the nightmares of the experience come. And it's just that they, they stay in touch and they are connected. And the last thing that happens is Ralph goes back to living his normal life and he sees in the mirror his hair turning gray and thinks to himself that he's happy to see this gray as part of the only face he'll ever have.
1: Yeah. Because he has dreams of the worms falling out of it. Yeah. But the last thing that actually happens is that he had called Holly, uh, hiding it from his wife, which is. Thank you. Not great, but they have a little nice conversation where they're like, Hey, I'm here for you. If you have the nightmares, just let me know. All well and good. But he hangs up and says, I love you, Holly.
0: Something he says after <sighs> she hangs up every conversation.
1: Completely unearned. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: well, well, completely inappropriate. Well, that too. But we like, like Jeannie. Like this is a little. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It, it's. I just I don't know. There are a lot of kinds of love.
0: Sure. There are. Yes. But absolutely. But why is he hiding it from his wife? My if problem you love is, somebody purely like that, you should be able to tell your spouse.
2: Does, is it, is he hiding it from her because he also doesn't want to, con- to admit that he's having these terrible, terrible nightmares and like freak her out? Does he think Which he's protecting her? Which also sucks her?
0: because she was so on board, you know, like you were talking, Ben, and he, she deserved his belief and confidence mm. and he should tell her about the dreams. Well,
1: okay. So my whole problem, like all that sucks. But my problem is just, like, even if it is just this, like, okay, taken as it is, I love you, Holly, but I'm staying with my wife and all that, whatever. why It's unearned. There was not enough. All the connection that we got between Ralph and Holly was him looking at her and thinking, wow, she's really competent and I respect her. But there was no... There was never any build There's up no, to this relationship. relationship. And that's why There's I don't think no... it's real.
2: It can't be. He can't mean it romantically because there are no romantic moments. I,
0: okay. I've said I love you two friends, but I don't say it for myself to them after I get off the phone. Like it's a secret. That's a, the issue I have with it.
2: My issue is strictly storytelling.
0: <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> no, it I, was I, not.
2: Yeah, earned. I agree with you. All right. It's, uh, it's time to get down to our ratings. Uh, CM, what do you got? What are you going to give Outsider?
0: Feels weird talking about ratings right after I just dumped on this character. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I really, actually, did love the book. It was amazing and fun, and like I said before, I am going to go. I'm going to go read the trilogy, and then I'm going to come back to this. And I hope that I feel different about Holly's character because she is intriguing, and I want to get to know her and like her. And I think I will, despite my my issue with her involvement as far as how it impacts the storytelling, it didn't ruin the book for me, and there's more that I take away from it that I really enjoy, and I can forgive that and move past it. So I'm going to give it a five out of five blue chambray shirts.
2: I, I'm i going to go on record and say, I think after you read the Bill Hodges trilogy, you will feel differently. I'd be Good. interested to talk about that after that happens.
1: Ben! I, I completely agree with everything CM just said. I had a lot of... Problems with this last bit of the story, last third of the story, but the beginning is so, so incredibly well-written. The majority up till near the end is so well-paced. The mystery is fascinating. The weird left turns that it takes a couple times. It's a fantastic book. That said, the, the stuff with Holly did it took me out of it near the end. And for that reason, that reason alone, I can't
2: give it five stars, but I will give it a- We don't a, give things stars, so that's good. Good. Uh,
1: <laughs> but I will give it a very, very strong uh, four blue chambray shirts.
2: I loved this story. Weirdly enough, this story reminds me of a Pathfinder scenario. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> stay with me, stay with me this this is going to make sense to Ben and anybody else who plays Pathfinder. The thing that I love about this story is where it starts is such a contained scenario. And we get to the end of that contained scenario and the, the world just opened up to us in another level that, oh, okay, this is bigger than what we thought it was. And just when we've gotten to the end of that next layer, something opens up the even bigger world of the craziness that happens. So every time you feel like... We're going to get answers. You do get an answer, but it just opens and, and, and intensifies how important following this to its end really is. And it just it kept me constantly invested in what was happening. And and again, everything with Holly 100% worked for me because I've loved this character since her first book. Uh, so that was, that was all great for me. Uh, so I'm going to give The Outsider 5 out of 5 blue chambray
0: shirts. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next episode where we are covering the Tommy Knockers and we are reading through book one. For Benjamin Graham and Joshua Kahn, I'm Sam Alexander reminding you, if you can't let go of the past, the mistakes you've made will eat you alive. Hey everyone, Sam Alexander here. So that was an interesting one. I still maintain that Ralph is being unfair to his wife the way he's treating his relationship with Holly. Think about it. Think about all the times Ralph notices Holly's quirks, or her smile, the way it lights her whole face, the little observations he makes of her throughout the book. And I'm sorry, don't say I love you to someone unless you're good buds and you're not afraid to say it in front of your special lady or dude friend. I'm going to say I love you to Josh after he hangs up next time we talk, and see how he likes it. That'll show him. Anyway, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Ralph and Holly or any other aspect of the book that you enjoyed or made you think. Tell us on our social media at Dairy Public Radio or email us at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes so that other people can find us too. Apparently, that's how the great and mysterious iTunes works, so your reviews are much appreciated and help us a lot. Check out our website, constantreaders.org, for everything Stephen King and Stephen King adjacent. And visit our Patreon for bonus episodes and merch. That's all for now, listeners. I love you.